you know, when I go back and I read on the very rare times that I read my own work, This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers. And this is the Taylor Stevens Show with Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. Taylor, this show is going live on March 8th. What's so exciting about March? Why am I so excited? I have no idea. Well, there are a couple reasons, and I'm sure that you are excited about this, too. You just haven't thought about it yet. It's only five days until Selection Sunday. Do you know what Selection uh, Sunday is? I, is this a sports thing? <laughs> All right. We'll, 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 we'll table that. All right. It's less than a month until opening day of baseball season. Oh, okay. Well, that's, Ooh, that's a different. All right. Okay, good. That's Selection <laughs> Sunday, in case you didn't know. And there'd be no reason for you to know because you live in Texas, which is not the home of college basketball. I guess. As all... Smart-thinking people realize that Ohio is the home of, of college basketball, uh, right. unfortunately. Right, has something to do with those shots they give you in your babies where they, like, turn your veins <laughs> different color, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, those of us whose veins turned uh, scarlet and gray are concerned about whether or not our team will make it. So it's a nervous five days until Selection Sunday. But we're hopeful that that'll happen. But I, I guess what you're saying is that when we have our – between recording chats, you don't really want to talk about sports. Um, you know, I I'm not really that in not so much not into them as I'm oblivious to them. <laughs> like <laughs> I had to be reminded that Super Bowl Sunday was Super Bowl Sunday. I was like, oh, okay, what time does it start? Like it just totally clueless. So but. this all gets back to last week's show on on time management. This is these are the things that you have just blocked out of your schedule, and those of us that aren't as efficient as you are still leave it in as, as a high priority. Things like selection Sunday and opening day of baseball <laughs> season makes, and the Super Bowl. It, it makes me sound really like ooh, I'm so much above you, but <laughs> really, I just didn't grow up with it, so I, you know, uh, didn't really lose anything. I don't know. Those of us that grew up in Ohio uh, might not think that you sound like you're so much above us. We might think you're crazy. Well, I actually, I could be. All right, we've got an interesting topic for today, and once again, this, this came in uh, as a reader question, and, and or listener question, sorry. And so we really appreciate everybody who's emailing Taylor with these questions, and it, it really helps to make it easier for us to do these shows when we know what you're interested in. And, and this particular question has, has to do with dialogue. She's looking for tips and tricks uh, to making your dialogue work a little better. Dialogue is tricky. And, and I guess it depends a little bit on, you know, what type of help people are looking for because you know you can have general uh general questions and general advice about dialogue but um well let me let me read specifically the question that she emailed in okay she says i go to writers groups where people read their work out loud and when reading the dialogue they oftentimes put emphasis where it's not written and that's something we can do when we write something we know how it's supposed to sound and and where the emphasis should be, but if we don't write it that way, the reader won't know that. 
So uh, now this is back to her question or his question. I'm not sure. They read what they mean to write, but it's not actually there. Maybe because we haven't figured out how to convey what's being said to the page. Okay. And then there's a follow-up question that I'll, I'll give you now, and then you'll, you can just weave your answer around both these. How do you portray an accent? How do you add in a few words of accent or foreign language here and there? All right. So starting with the first, um, the thing about dialogue is, um, like, you know how anytime you read your own work, uh, even if you're reading it out loud, like, like she said there, um, you know, you're inflecting and pl- you read, read, you'll insert words that aren't there. You'll mm-hmm. inflect in places that don't exist. But um, if somebody else reads your work to you, they, they're not going to do that. And that's where you're going to hear it. Like a lot of advice says to read your own work out loud, but that only helps if you're actually reading what's on the page and not what's in your brain. But when somebody else is reading your work to you, um, you you'll hear it at that point. And that, that's when you um, can take pause and, and take notes and, and learn from that. And another too is that um, when you find other people reading what you don't see on the page in their own work, to see if you can figure out how to rewrite the dialogue so that it matches what their voice was, sort of like an exercise. And it's easier to do it with other people's work than it is to do with your own because you can spot it in other people's work easier than you can in your own. Have you ever had the situation when you're reading something, uh, you know, published material, not, not necessarily something that someone wants you to read over, but published material, and you read it, and it doesn't make sense, and you read it again, and you read it again, and the third time through, you you insert a pause or something that's not there, but you do it in your own mind, and then you go, oh, that's what they meant to say. Yeah. Because yeah. that happens to me all the time. I'll read, I'll read things, and it's just like, that doesn't read correctly. But, but when you go back and, and do that yourself, then it suddenly makes sense. Yeah. And, and I, that's what we're trying to avoid. Um, and, and it's hard. It, you know, I would like to say that I, you know, don't have that problem, but I'm sure I do. I just don't see it and I won't hear it until somebody else reads my own stuff back to me. It's, it's pretty, pretty universal. So, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily entirely possible to eradicate it, but you just you're working on making it not as um, blatantly in your face as it is now, like to, to try and improve it. Um, when it comes to dialogue, um, you know, I think my, I would like to think that my own dialogue has uh, improved with time. Um, you know, when I go back and I read on the very rare times that I read my own work, <laughs> um, and I've read some of the dialogue in The Informationist, for example, and um, some, some parts of it can be a little clunky. And, you know, I get so wrapped up in the story, even now, um, when I'm reading it, that, that I just skip over it and, I, and I'm not even aware of it. Um, but when, you know, people have legitimately criticized my dialogue in those earlier books and some of the criticisms were legitimate and some of them were, uh, born from a tone deafness because I, I do write characters that are not native English speakers. And that is going to create for a different form of dialogue, different syntax, um, different cadence. And so what I have learned myself, as far as, you know, a specific tip or trick in dialogue is that when when you're writing, and I do this too in my first drafts, you write completely different than we speak. You um, you write in complete sentences, and for the most part, people don't speak in complete sentences. We truncate our sentences 
as, as an example, you don't say, hey, are you going to the grocery store today? It would be, hey, going to the grocery store today? So that are you is correct on paper, but it's not correct to the ear if you want to write authentic dialogue. And even so, better, if I were writing it, I would say, hey, Taylor, are you going to the grocery store today? Right. And um, using characters' names in dialogue, um, it, it, it needs to be done judiciously um, because we do not usually use the person we're speaking to. We don't usually use their names in speech unless we're doing it specifically to emphasize a point, whether it's to make to uh, get their attention, whether it's to uh, make what we're about to say matter more and, and to cause them to tune into it. Um, so those, so using another character's dialogue, uh, name in dialogue is, um, is clunky and not necessary. Um, another thing that a lot of authors will try and do is, and, and, and I find myself doing this in first drafts too, they try and use dialogue to explain stuff to the reader. But this becomes very um, clunky for the reader because the, the one character is telling something to another character that the character probably already knows and is redundant, but the reader doesn't know it. So they're trying to inform the reader through dialogue. And a really easy way to fix that is to just take off the quotation marks and make it not speech, but make it inner thought. Hmm. And you, you kind of have to, you know, fiddle with the text to make it work, because it doesn't just work that easily. But instead of saying, you know, John, you know that down the street, that lady in the old gray house has been, you know, visiting the, the drug den two doors down on a weekly basis, right? Okay, John's already standing there with you watching the old lady's house. John doesn't need to hear this from the character, but the reader needs to hear this from the character. So character looks at old lady house and goes, this old lady has been visiting the drug den, you know, twice a week, blah, 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 down the street and turns to John and says, have you been seeing what I'm seeing? And so you've just taken clunky dialogue, turned it into movement and, and a brief snapshot of information and kept the story going and didn't clunk anything down. All right. One thing that you had me do after reading something that I'd written, and I thought it was very clever, and I do it now as a matter of course, is to just read through the story and just read the dialogue. Don't read anything else around the dialogue just read the dialogue. For me, I found that that made it less likely that I would insert words or change words that, that weren't really there, and it made it more likely that I, I would actually be reading what was there and as it was written. Uh, so that's, that's sort, of a, sort of a trick. That's a really good tip. I wish I would have come up with that. <laughs> <laughs> but because you're not reading everything around it, you don't really know the, the context of the dialogue if it, it's been a few weeks since yeah, you've written it. Yeah, and it jumps out at you. And it does, yes. Yeah, it's awkward. So um, going back to that question about accents, mm -hmm. accents are a little tricky um, because uh, when you try and spell out, like if you're trying to do a German accent, for instance, and you're like all bossing this and das and whatever, it's very distracting for the reader um, because our brains... The way that we read, our brains don't sound out the words. We take them in chunks. And when they're misspelled, 
it, it slows down the reading process. So you want to be really judicious in how much of that you throw in. Now, this is just me. I'm sh many authors have their own way of doing it. I have the benefit of having spent a lot of time living abroad. And one thing you know, you know how um, when somebody, you, you see it joked about on television, when somebody doesn't understand English, people start talking louder <laughs> and slower. <laughs> like somehow that will interpret their words, right? Mm -hmm. well, I have a similar bad habit. But it stems from living abroad for so long that I don't speak louder. I change the syntax of my speech. And the reason for this is that English has really weird syntax. And if you, if you want somebody who doesn't speak the language naturally to be able to understand what you say, you change our syntax to match closer to the way they speak. And I do that in books. When I'm writing characters that are not native English speakers, I, I change the syntax so that it's not, it's not grammatically incorrect, but it's grammatically unusual. And that is a way that you can denote that someone has an accent without going into all the, the changing the spellings to make it their words sound like they were saying it, is to change the syntax of their speech and very simply tell the reader, heavy on the German, heavy on the Dutch, slurring this, slurring that, and the reader will automatically fill in those blanks. And you don't have to be heavy-handed in the way that you put it down on the page. Well, what do you mean heavy on the German? Give me a, give me a specific example. Um, it, like, if, if a character was meeting someone for the first time, mm -hmm. they're going to say, you know, the, 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 the one, let's say that a woman is meeting a man, mm -hmm. just so I can use she and he and, and make it easier. So she meets him for the first time, and he says, oh, what a joy to meet you. And she, in her mind, goes, you know, and his, his voice was rich and touched with three generations, uh, with, with German that went three generations back, almost like an American, but you could still tell that he wasn't born here. Okay, all right. That's I all got the reader that. needs to know. Yes, and, and, and then point, it's in your mind th for yeah. the rest of the book whenever that yeah. character's name comes up. Yeah. Uh, another specific question about accents and languages. One thing that I, I, I write about things that take place in South Florida, and there, there are a lot of Spanish, Spanish speakers down here. So from time to time, I'll just throw in Spanish words that everyone knows as a way of sort of denoting that this person is a Spanish speaker, but he's, he's, he or she is being polite and speaking English, but just using, you know, the, the occasional, you know, hola or si or something like that as a way of, I don't know, just, just helping to identify them a little bit. Is it a good thing or a bad yeah. thing? Good. That, that, that absolutely works. I think one of the most frustrating reading experiences I ever had was in a book where um, there was a Spanish conversation going on, and it went line by line, Spanish, English translation, Spanish, English translation, Spanish, English translation. So not necessary. A few lines of the foreign language and then switch over to English. Everyone's going to know you're speaking Spanish in that point until you cut the conversation. Okay, good. But throwing in an occasional word here or there, great. Sometimes 
I don't even bother translating that word. Or if I do translate it, it's not specifically spelled out and people will get it mm -hmm. or they won't. And people will complain or they won't. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, that just over translation is just inserting the author's voice too much into the story and it, it breaks the flow. All righty. We have been talking about some specific tips and tricks uh, for use in strengthening your dialogue as a way of helping to kick your writing in the butt one word at a time here on The Taylor Stevens Show. Yeah, and I wanted to add, this show about dialogue could have gone so much longer if we'd had more specific questions. So if you feel there are more dialogue questions that you would like answered specifically for your situation, send them in and we'll, we'll answer them. But unless we, know, unless we know what it is you need help with, we don't know. So, you know, there's so much more where that came from. So don't be shy about sending them in. Yeah. And, and throw in specific examples if you want, if you want to copy out a couple of paragraphs of something and, and send it in with, with notes written, you know, how would you fix this? Um, that's, that would be helpful. And it, it would help us to make a, fun, a more informative actually. show for you. Yeah, absolutely. So that's our call to action this week. If, if you have those things, or if you have a specific problem, spell it out in as much detail as possible and email it to Taylor, who's constantly looking for new emails so that she doesn't have to do any writing. <laughs> Well, you know me, Steve. <laughs> so send those emails to contact at taylorstevensbooks.com. We'll be back again next week. See you guys. Thanks for being here.